From Muhlenberg College, this is 2400 Chew. In each episode of this podcast, we talk to one Muhlenberg graduate about their current work and the industry in which that work is done. For this episode, Tammy Katzoff spoke with Emily Bain, class of 2015, marketing and events manager for Valrona, a chocolate company based in France. As we do with most of these interviews, we began the conversation by asking how and when Emily became interested in her occupation. From a young age, I want to say it was sixth grade, we had a rotation of four languages, German, Spanish, Italian, and French. It was kind of a joke. It was one semester each. Nobody really took it seriously. But when it came to my rotation for French, I completely fell in love with it at age 12. I think a big influence was I had a really great connection with my sixth grade French teacher. She was wonderful. And I just, I got a lot out of it. Um, I felt a connection to it, a passion to it, and I stuck with it. So I continued on through middle school, high school. And when I actually got to high school, uh, I thought I was on top of the world. I thought I knew what I was doing. I knew I wanted French in my career in some way, shape or form. I knew I did not want to be a teacher. I didn't want to be a French teacher. I didn't think I could get enough out of that especially not being a native French speaker, but I did know I wanted to incorporate it in, in, in my career. When I found Muhlenberg and I decided I wanted to go to Muhlenberg, I took a look at the uh, language department. I remember taking the language test. Uh, it's a requirement anyway at a liberal arts school to have a semester or two of a language. So it was only natural. I went with French. I remember getting placed in 102 and I was on top of the world thinking that I skipped 101. <laughs> I was like, look at me, check me out. I skipped 101. I sent a, an email to my French professor in broken French saying, I'm really excited. Can't wait to start. Meanwhile, people who wanted to use French in their career and become fluent, they were already conversational and they were placing into level 300 classes. And I was just excited to be there, excited to, you know, skip 101. <laughs> and I kind of just grew this passion for the French language. The marketing side came around because it just seemed like a really great way to sort of support my French language passion. And it seemed like there could be a lot of cool opportunities combining the two together. Nice. It just kind of reflects something that I tell students when they're thinking about what to do with their career that, you know, whatever their interests are, and if there's a combination of interests that seem very far away from each other, there's probably going to be a job that you can do with those interests and skills and, and things like that. There's going to be a job out there. So you found it. I nice. feel very lucky for that. Um, I wouldn't have been able to do it, though, without the department at Muhlenberg. Eileen McEwen was my, she ended up becoming my advisor. But I owe my French fluency to her. Uh, she like really took a shot on me. I was actually told not to pursue French when I first got to Muhlenberg. I had an advisor who's no longer there. And she said that I was too far behind and that I should really just cut my losses. I'm a pretty stubborn person. So <laughs> I took that as a challenge. I ended up talking to Eileen McEwen and she took me under as her advisee. And she said, it's going to be hard work, but let's let's do this. So we kind of hit the ground running and it was not easy by any means, but it's quite the underdog story, I have to admit. So you've been at Valrona for how long now? 
actually just since March. I've spent the past six years in the wine industry, which was my first career out of college and was a wonderful way to combine the French language and marketing. And I had a great experience. So how did you move from wine to chocolate? And also tell us more about Valrona. Wine from chocolate was a seamless transition, actually. It, it very similar. I like to say that there's five very similar products out there. They're marketed the same. They're distributed the same. They're kind of grown the same. They have the same uh, science. And, you know, you need, a, you need a scientist and a farmer in the background. And it's coffee, wine, chocolate, cannabis, and cheese. And they're, they all kind of function very similarly. I love telling a story. I have such a passion for different cultures, different languages, and storytelling, which is what marketing is, is storytelling. Mm -hmm. And you add in French there for me, and that's just a big, big bonus. So with wine, I was telling the stories of the winemakers. And they're just a bunch of farmers and scientists who have this passion that's been in their family forever. And there's history, and it's beautiful. When I got the opportunity to work with Valrona, I was actually contacted by a headhunter who focuses in finding French-speaking jobs for Americans in New York City. They reached out to me and said, hey, we have a really great opportunity. And I was looking for a change anyway. And it was in chocolate. And the similarities are incredible. So it was a seamless transition from wine to chocolate. I'm still storytelling. I'm still telling the stories of farmers and cocoa plantations and Valrona is a wonderful company that's been around for over a hundred years. Their HQ is in France, which hopefully post COVID I'll have opportunities to travel there. And it's, they're very focused on uh, corporate social responsibility and they're very focused on being conscious of the environment and being ethically sourcing our cocoa beans and really investing in our cocoa communities. I love that. That totally speaks to me. I want to be working for a company who looks for those things and is mindful of those things. It just seemed like the perfect fit. And it's been wonderful. And if you like chocolate, I mean, huge perks. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not complaining. Do you have a typical work day? And if you do, what's that like? Now, obviously, you're working remotely. Mm -hmm. um, so what is your day like from start to finish? Well, I have a typical nine to six job and every day is different. Uh, there's always a different meeting. There's always a different project. There's always a new deadline. I'm a brand manager. So my whole job is to support the sales team, making sure that basically my job is the liaison between HQ in France and our sales team on the ground here in the US and in Canada. So I make sure to get all the updated information, whether it's a new product launch or whether it's um, a new recipe that comes from HQ. And I make sure that the sales team is equipped to go out in the field and, and, and make some sales. So throughout my day, I have meetings uh, with HQ, of course. Some of them I get to have fully in French. And basically, I uh, support the needs of the sales team. So that could be anything from creating brochures, editing brochures. I edit a lot of documents that come from HQ because they're either in French or they're translated into broken English and they need some help. <laughs> so I'm constantly editing tools and resources for the, for the sales team. And then communicating with our digital team who manages our website, our online store, 
communicating with our communications and social media team. We have like 413, maybe more now, thousand followers on Instagram, which is just like mind blowing. It's at Valrona USA. If you want some good chocolate on your timeline, it's incredible. And I just make sure that we're all aligned on the products that we're offering. Does the time difference between here and France come into play in, in your workday? Yeah. So there's a six hour time difference. So usually like noon or 1 p.m. is kind of my cutoff for getting any answers from HQ. I usually try to make sure my time management is okay. So I give them a day or two to get back to me. Summer is pretty rough because the entire country takes off in August for the, you know, the entire month is a holiday. So you got to be <laughs> mindful of those things, but we make it work. You know, early morning meetings, 10 a.m. meetings are usually not a problem. You mentioned that hopefully when things calm down a little bit, you will be going to France as part of your job. How else has the pandemic affected your job, but also the industry in general? Oh, it devastated the industry. A lot of people who were let go from restaurants who weren't getting any business, the first to go were pastry chefs. And it completely devastated our industry. And we're still rebuilding. And I think we'll always kind of be rebuilding a little bit. There's a lot of turnover with restaurants and food service being our main clientele. It's, it took a big hit. As, as a company who's been around for a while, we just try to lend as much support as we can during this time. And, and it's all about pivoting and being understanding and having empathy for what everyone's going through and then supporting certain causes when we can. Sometimes some of our dollars will go to COVID relief in our industry um, and things like that, which has been amazing. But for my, my job specifically, like I said, my title is marketing and events manager. Events aren't happening. Uh, so that that's kind of been a something that we've had to navigate through. And then even these past couple of months, we saw a little bit of a revival almost. Uh, there was like a little bit of hope there and events kind of sort of uh, rolled back on um, and then they got canceled again. Mm -hmm. So it, it's been tough in that sense navigating that and knowing that that's a huge chunk of my of my responsibility that's just not um, accessible right now and it's just not happening. So it's a lot of patience. It's a lot of pivoting to virtual <laughs> events, which can be, you know, really tricky sometimes, but still a way to get people together and communicate your message. So it's been a lot of that. The events portion was probably the biggest thing that was, you know, I'm still, we're still launching new products. We're still communicating. We're still selling. It's just been a learning experience and taking it day by day and sort of trying to uh, navigate any challenges that get thrown at us. And every day there's a new one. So, so how would an, a virtual event work without the product? Aha. <laughs> so there's a lot of planning that goes into these. We just actually put on a couple events where we focused on Madagascar. So we have a bunch of different products that have a Madagascar origin. One of the biggest things with Valrona is that we trace back to the origin. So not a lot of chocolate, for example, like Hershey's. You have no idea where those cocoa beans are coming from. They don't even know where those cocoa beans are coming from and what conditions they're coming out of. All of our chocolates, we know exactly where they're coming from. And we have direct line of communication with our cocoa plantations and our farmers. And we make sure that they're supported. And, and we really take a lot of pride in that. So having an event focused around a certain origin is not like a far-fetched idea. So we got together professionals in the industry. Valrona also has a school attached to it. 
it's based in Brooklyn and we have three chefs that run it and we host classes for professionals. So pastry chefs and uh, chocolatiers and, you know, restaurant owners, and they can come in and they can take a class and, and learn from uh, experts that have pretty good recognition in the industry, which is pretty cool. So what we did for Madagascar event was we put together boxes. We sent out the invite, people RSVP'd, gave their addresses, their best address. And we put together a little package for them that had some samples in it from wow. our Madagascar chocolates, some desserts and creations that our chefs had made with those products, our vanilla beans that we just launched that um, come from Madagascar as well. And then we got everyone on Zoom and we had a little presentation and we talked through it. We did a tasting and you kind of just make the best out of it. It's definitely right. not ideal. And you're definitely missing that connection in that in-face person, face-to-face connection. But, um, you know, we made it work and it was successful. So obviously we talk about, when we talk about the pandemic, we talk about the downside and the, you know, the negatives and, and the struggles because those are real. Is there anything good that's going to come out of it for the industry? Like, are there going to be permanent changes to the way you work that have come about because of the pandemic that might be positive, that might be a good change? Absolutely. I think the biggest thing is our priorities have definitely been reevaluated. I feel like everyone's taken this time to sort of sit with themselves and figure out what's most important for them. And at the end of the day, like career comes second to your happiness and to your family and to your, you know, your quality of life. And I think everyone has sort of taken a step back and recognized what is important. And I think that's a blessing and a curse for, you know, corporate companies. (laughs) For example, I think with remote work, I think it's going to be very unlikely that most companies go back to a five-day work week. I think that there's more flexibility on that, especially, uh, you know, there's more of an understanding about family matters and people with kids, people who are single parents, people who have health issues. You know, I just, I think that maybe once a week, maybe twice a week and the rest remote, we've all proven that we can do our jobs remotely. And I think that that was a huge learning curve for everyone, especially the older generations who maybe aren't so tech savvy. People had no choice but to dive headfirst into technology. And I think that that's something that's not going to go back to normal. There's no way that people have the the energy, the capacity to do those types of commutes. Like I think about how I commuted. I've commuted a million different ways from a million different places. And sometimes it was an hour and a half door to door with three different modes of transportation, New Jersey transit into the subway on the path, vice versa. You know what I mean? Like, I think about doing that now and I'm exhausted just at the idea. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there's a way to just commute once or twice a week and everything else is remote. And, you know, you go into the office as needed. You travel for events and meetings and things like that. That's going to be the new way of working. What are the most challenging aspects of your job and what are the most rewarding aspects of your job? And obviously those could be the same thing. That's a great question. I think time management, task prioritization, and trying to make everyone happy are probably the hardest challenges. I think working in marketing, your whole entire existence is to support the sales team. And that's tough. 
Uh, that's a lot of demands. That's like a lot of needs and you won't ever make everyone happy. So I think that's, that's been always a challenge in my marketing career is satisfying the sales team. Also, I think the biggest challenge is that there's, because I'm not in sales, I don't see the numbers. I don't have that instant gratification of, I just made a sale and I'm being impactful in my company. Marketing is a little bit more nuanced than that. So in, in that, it's been a challenge to understand, hey, am I being impactful? Am I doing what I need to be doing? Am I on track? And that just comes with learning how to communicate with your manager and understanding needs and making sure you're crossing things off your list. That's also been a challenge. I think the biggest reward is when your company is successful. I also take great pride in all of the amazing things that my company values in regards to the environment and the people who help us make our products. That's been so rewarding to be a part of that. I just try to get involved in, in every type of way that I can because being a part of that kind of change, if we can get every big corporation and every big food company to invest in, in their farmers and invest in their people who are building them up and lifting them up, I just think the whole entire world would be a better place. So I think that's super rewarding, but I still also feel very fresh. I know I'm like about seven years out of college. I still feel green in the industry. I still feel young. And that is a blessing and a curse in itself because I bring new energy. I bring new perspective, but I'm also competing against people who have been doing this for a very long time. And you got to be mindful of that too. That's tricky to navigate. If someone who's listening, whether that be a Muhlenberg alum or someone else who's either starting out in their career or further along, maybe wants to make a career change and they want to do what you do, what advice or guidance would you give them? Oh, go for it. No hesitations. If you need a career change and, and you're looking to get into, you know, food marketing or um, you're looking to get into the wine and spirits industry, or if you're looking to utilize an, a language in the corporate space, um, you, you got to start making, you got to start networking, making connections. It's all about who you know. Mm -hmm. um, look up headhunters, um, Google different opportunities. Even if there's not, if you're not finding anything on those, you know, on Indeed or on Monster, on the, you might not be, there might not be a job quite Per, like that's absolutely perfect for you, but you can look for a company maybe that speaks to you and you mm -hmm. can start speaking with different people who work at that company, start making those connections, start networking that way, find out, figure out where exactly you want to be. And maybe you're not going to be able to get there right away, but maybe you can help start, take a step back, look at the steps that you need to take to get there. And it might not be what you want right away, but at least you can get on the path to where you want to be. Sure. Yeah, the word networking comes up a lot at the career center. Of um, course. It and, is all uh, about who you know, unfortunately and fortunately. Yeah, and uh, depending on the industry, I mean, sometimes it is, yeah, it, it's all about who you know. Some, some industries, it's slightly less, but across the board, you got to have a network. So what did you do to go about building yours? What were some of the strategies that you used? Um, I used the career center. Uh, I, I did. I absolutely did. And I had a great resource in, like I said, in my French professor and my advisor, 
I worked on my um, CV, which is like a French resume. Mm -hmm. um, I curated everything. I practiced interviewing in French and in English, which came in such handy. Like, oh my goodness, that was a huge help and really prepared me. But I also got my start through an alumni. There was an alumni who came back and reached out to my professor while I was a senior. Um, we were at the end of senior year. I was looking for jobs and she said she had an internship availability and she'd like to interview a couple of her French students because they need to be over 21 and they need to speak French. And that's how I got my start in the wine industry through an alumni, through a Muhlenberg alum. So very great. I love, to hear, that. <laughs> I love yeah. to hear that. That's yeah. awesome. This episode of 2400 Chew was produced by Tammy Katzoff from the Muhlenberg College Career Center. It was recorded remotely and engineered in the studios of WMUH Allentown, Pennsylvania. Our opening and closing music from Cowboy Bebop is performed by the Muhlenberg College Jazz Big Band.